and welcome to apartment 29a i'm shosh and i'm megan and we're two best friends who have a lot to say this week we're going to drink plum and cinnamon tea by lloyd the magic experience we're going to talk about the podcast clutterbug podcast with cassandra arson the book tiny habits by bj fogg and then we will end with things we can't stop thinking about this week which for megan is argentine ants and for shosh is new glasses ow ow <laughs> so shosh tell us about the plum and cinnamon tea Okay, so this was a tea that was gifted to us for the podcast from my one and only Ocean Master. So I often share our podcast tea with him because we both really enjoy tea. So he is constantly giving me his opinions about all of the teas that we have tried, which is amazing. And he went to the Polish shop and just happened to see this and thought that it was you know, different and interesting. And he knows how I feel about cinnamon. So he decided to get it. I have to say, I was really excited for a new tea from, you know, we haven't had this tea company. I've never even heard of this one and it's a unique flavor, but I was a little bit scared. I wasn't sure how I felt about plum. I wasn't really scared of the cinnamon because I love cinnamon, but I wasn't sure how it was going to go over, but I actually, it's much better than expected because I I wasn't gonna like it the color (laughs) is beautiful it's basically plum colored it smells delightful Mm -hmm. and the taste I don't know if I would say plum but it's a nice sort of fruity taste and Mm -hmm. the cinnamon is kind of a really neat aftertaste it's almost like you drink it there's a pause and then all of a sudden it like blooms in your mouth kind of Mm -hmm. so I find that experience really fun I sort of really enjoy that I don't know, like delayed cinnamon kind of flavor. Mm -hmm. So it's good. Good. Yeah, the cinnamon's definitely like it's almost the cinnamon spice, not like the cinnamon candy, hard candy cinnamon. And it does, it blooms at the end. You're just like, oh, oh, (laughs) what is that? (laughs) Well, yeah, because the first sip or two, like when I first tried it, I was like, I don't really taste any cinnamon. And then I was surprised because I was like, oh, it's coming now. So mm-hmm. it was nice. Yep. And I'm very proud of myself because I had no idea what the ingredients were. And I was like, Shosh, is this a hibiscus tea? And she was like, I don't know. And then she's like, oh, yep. First ingredient, hibiscus. Good job. <laughs> yep. It was amazing that you pulled that out. Also, the second ingredient is apple, and I think that that is a flavor that I can pick out pretty mm-hmm. strongly. You get kind of like a tart, a tart kind of flavor mm-hmm. in there that I think is the apple. Mm-hmm. I don't think, if I'm being honest, this is a tea that I would drink all the time, but I, it is it is good, and I do enjoy it, especially the interesting way that the cinnamon presents itself at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's definitely a fall tea. Like I would want it when like in like a hayride, like it would be a really nice like hayride tea because it's got kind of apple, kind of cinnamony, but it's a little sweeter. Like I didn't need to add any sweetening at all. Um, Shosha's laughing because she of course (laughs) did did add sugar, (laughs) but I I always do. (laughs) I always wait. I have the honey with me but I just didn't add any to it. Didn't need to. I rarely do with hibiscus teas though. Hibiscus is oftentimes a little sweeter, but I, yeah, I will definitely want this in the fall. And it was perfect for this morning because I was cold and I was like, I want a tea that's going to be like warm and comfort. Well, I'm glad we decided to try this today then. Thank you, Ocean Master. Yes, thank you, Seb. So we're talking about the Clutterbug podcast. This, of course, came into our awareness, so to speak, because I was, if you've listened to last, I think last week's episode, maybe the week before, but either way, you've heard me talk about clutter and the fact that I just typed in clutter and Clutterbug like auto-populated and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then I was looking at that website the other day I was like she has a podcast show she has a podcast <laughs> and so Shosh was like do we need to listen to it I was like well at least one episode yeah <laughs> so I looked for an episode 
that I thought would be interesting and found one. Level up your life now, new habits challenge. And because we always talk about leveling up on people's birthdays, I was definitely like, okay, this is the episode we're going to do. It's another nice and short one. It was like maybe 19 minutes, if that. I think that's what it was. So it was a very, I would say a very basic podcast as it's just her talking and just sharing her thoughts and ideas. And I wanted to yell at her throughout most of the podcast because she was like, these are just these small little things I want to do. And then the small little thing was like, chug eight glasses of water a day, read for an hour a day. I was like, honey, that's not small. That's a long period of time. But I jumped ahead. In the episode, she shares five habits that she wants to add to her life. And then she just talks about how she's going to have, how she's going to make those habits occur through some different habit change ideas that she's come across. And she shares those habit change ideas and then challenges her listeners to have just five new habits and work towards those. Shosh, what did you think? I found it interesting. I don't know that she's somebody I need to subscribe to and keep listening. I don't mean it in a bad way, but like you said, it was very basic. It was just her in a room. Um, You could hear some stuff in the background. You could hear her shuffle her papers. I mean, all of that is fine, but it just, like you said, it was just very, very basic. And while not bad, I don't really have, feel like I had a connection to her and I don't necessarily have a reason to you know, invest myself in her podcast. But that being said, this episode was interesting and we decided to do it now because it pairs very well with the books that we're going to talk about. And I also kind of thought her goals were pretty big, especially when you're going from, you know, not having them at all to completely having them. And when she did challenge the listeners, she did say, if it's too much, you could just do one goal, which I did appreciate that she at least sort of maybe acknowledged that it was a bit much. But yeah, it kind of felt like a lot. I did, the part that I liked the best though, was her discussion about the techniques that she's going to use to form those habits. So she said the first one was keeping it visual. So she just noted that basically for her if she doesn't keep reminding herself then she will forget and I think that that happens for a lot of people and I think it also depends on what kind of learner that you are and like the type of person you are so for example I definitely am like a visual person so if I see something I'm much more likely to remember something or learn a new skill or something if I you know rather than just like say reading it if someone actually shows me how to do it that will translate better so in general I think I'm a fan of keeping it visual I also like lists I like reminders all of those kinds of things she then also talked about I don't know who Mel Robbins is but she talked about the Mel Robbins technique which is like a five second rule so apparently if something seems overwhelming you're supposed to stop and count backwards from five and then take action and I mean, I've never done that, although we jokingly actually did that (laughs) right before we recorded, (laughs) but it, you know, in my own personal life, I've never actually done that, but I kind of, I mean, I sort of like it. It's sort of the Mm -hmm. same as just pausing and taking a breath or something, but Mm -hmm. it just sort of, I think, lets you maybe reframe stuff or get yourself ready and kind of like, you know, pump yourself up and put yourself in the right place for something. So I found that pretty interesting. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know who Mel Robbins is, so I don't know if there's really more to it or an expansion of that, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. That's definitely the one thing I took away from the show. Yeah. And then she said, dress for success. Now this part, I laughed about a little bit. (laughs) I think she maybe took it a tad bit too far on part of it, but her point was, if you dress for what you want, then you're more likely to do it. So the part that I 
especially thought actually translated for me was she said she had a new pair of running shoes that she never had worn before and she was talking about wanting to exercise more and be healthy so she's like okay when I wake up in the morning and get dressed I'm going to put the running shoes on so that makes sense but then she was talking about if you want to like clean your house and you know bake or whatever if you put an apron on right when you wake up you're definitely going to want to like clean your toilet and bake cookies and I was like Okay, first of all, an apron's not something I really want to be wearing around all day. Second of all, I don't think that's definitely going to make me want to bake, but maybe, but not clean a toilet. And definitely, you should not be wearing your apron in the bathroom. (laughs) Like, I get your point, but a bathroom is an unclean area, and a kitchen where you're baking is a clean area, (laughs) so you should not be crossing those. So, like I said, I felt like she took the example maybe a bit too far, but I get I get her point. Right. And, you know, I think that could work for somebody. Again, just getting yourself in the right mind frame, I guess, for whatever you want to do. And then distract our brain. So, again, I guess if you're getting overwhelmed, just find a way to, I guess again reframe things so that Mm -hmm. you're not as overwhelmed yeah that one was weird because she was really just talking about pairing like it's not so much distracting your brain it was more of like if you have to clean clean while you do something else so clean while you listen to a podcast or music or whatever it is that you're going to enjoy doing pair that with the thing that you know you have to do it's not really distracting your brain it's just pairing the things together yeah, I think that that makes more sense. I'm not yeah. saying I didn't understand what she was saying, but I think that you're framing it in a better, like a more accessible way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, and then her last one was just five minutes matters. And I I agree with this. I think the point was just, again, you can get overwhelmed if you, for example, she was talking about reading for an hour And that could be a lot, especially if you're going from not reading at all to reading for an hour. So her point was that even if you just do it for five minutes, at least you've made a start and that's something. And if you do it for five minutes, she I don't think she actually said this, but I think, you know, it kind of, you know, goes along with if you do it for five minutes, then it's not a stretch to think, oh, maybe you'll actually just do it for 10 minutes or 15 Mm -hmm. minutes. Like it just makes it easier. But I think in your mind, if you're like, okay, I can just do five minutes, that's doable. So that's what I'll start with. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about her her list of of things to help her accomplish her goals? Yeah, well, I, I was really glad that she had those because particularly that last one addressed the issues that I was having throughout. Because I was like, it, it's great to have that desire to say like, I want to be someone who works out or I want to be someone who reads for an hour before bed or I want to be someone who goes to bed or really all that stuff. But none of the discussion at that point of the podcast led like it was like she had no self-awareness I guess in the sense like if you are a if you're not a morning person it is going to be harder to wake up in the morning and maybe if you have a life where you can sleep until noon and work until 2 a.m and that's not interfering with anything because that's like your healthy flow for you heck go for it like there's no reason why you need to change that. Now, if she is literally missing out on work because she's not actually starting work till two in the afternoon, and then she's trying to do work from midnight to 2 a.m., when let's face it, lighting is going to be horrible. So if she's doing anything in her house video-wise, she's going to need a lot more light than she would if she did it during the day. And B, if you're trying to make connections between midnight and 2 a.m., unless those connections are on the other side of the world, that's not a great time. (laughs) So it's a great time if you're working with someone who's eight hours ahead because now you're at 10 a.m. their time, great. But otherwise you might miss out on work. But if, you know, for me, that schedule would be awful. I, like at 10 p.m. I go to bed because I am useless after that. Like if I am not moving, like dancing and just joking around at 10 p.m., Um, you don't want me to do work at that time. Like my work would be poor quality. (laughs) And so there's just there, she was missing that like self-knowledge to 
at least give her the information she needed to know as to whether or not these goals she had were going to be I don't want to say possible because you can she could probably do it over time but is it really helpful uh, is it really necessary and just how difficult is it going to be it's a lot easier for me like I can say to people get up an hour earlier because for me that's easier but I even I have a limit like I don't like to get up before 5 a.m. 459 bad five o'clock fine like there's you know if there's a four at the beginning of it even if it's one minute before five it's too early there's something about that that mentally is so hard to do exactly so her finally getting to like the five five minute idea I was like oh okay yes like if you want to start with like if you have a goal of reading for an hour let's start with a chapter you know of a not a textbook because a chapter of a textbook could take you an hour but a chapter of a YA novel or self-help book is probably like 10 to 20 minutes yeah yeah or you know or start with five minutes like five minutes is fine I you know I definitely whichever one sounds like less time to you start with that one so if five minutes sounds smaller great start with five minutes if a chapter sounds smaller then start with a chapter because a you have to start somewhere but b like an hour just sounds like so much time even yeah i think i think she needs to read our book tiny habits (laughs) that would help her a lot but i think you're right about her missing i mean again she's sort of in a sort of roundabout way addressed it a bit with her things like the five minutes matter but I think you're right she was missing that key part which is sort of understanding yourself and realizing that you might need to adjust depending on what is best for you even if that's not what's best for everybody else and I think with the waking up thing she wasn't actually suffering at work I think she was feeling like she was suffering in her home life because she was sort of saying if she could get her work done earlier and not start it so late she would then have more time with her family Mm -hmm. so I think that's why she was wanting to make the change which is a good reason Mm -hmm. but again maybe she needs to again move in smaller steps you know Mm -hmm. if you're waking up at noon every day and then all of a sudden you're like I'm gonna start waking up at 8 a.m that could be hard especially if you're not a morning person so that's the thing like if she's not a morning person and she's like I'm gonna wake up at eight and get all my work done but she can't even wake herself up until noon then maybe there's no point you know or or maybe she needs to cut that in half and you know just wake up at 10 or rearrange when she's doing some of the family time and the work stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she really, I mean, it was a short podcast. So to be fair, it's not like she had a lot of time to dive into that, but you know, maybe she needs to have some discussion about, you know, doing things in smaller steps and sort of evaluating what's best for each person. I mean, she was really talking about herself, but since she was challenging her listeners to then do it themselves, I think it's maybe a little bit warranted to you know, add that bit a bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And particularly with the morning wake up one to go from noon to eight, that's jet lag. Like you will, right? there'll be four days of jet lag. So you got at least, I would definitely was like, let's start with, I don't know, 1130. The body can handle that 30 minute difference and then do that for a week or so. And then 11 and then 1030. Like, let's slowly, like my the shock to the body I was just even feeling it and I didn't even you know it's not like I did it I was just like oh my god don't do it don't do it (laughs) she also had one random fact in there I don't know if it's true or not I have not looked into it but it was really interesting she was talking about weight loss and apparently I think she talked about that in the past because she was saying like she'd had a weight loss surgery and made it sound like this wasn't like a new thing or whatever but she was saying that anytime you have a snack you should have a protein with it and that that's how you lose weight and so like if you're gonna have some chips that's fine but have some cottage cheese with it or if you're gonna eat an orange grab a slice of turkey and that totally seems reasonable but I just had never really thought about it I mean I've never really looked into ways to lose weight or whatever so I've never really thought about it but I was like that's so interesting is that true that if you eat a protein every time you eat even if you're having non-protein stuff with it that it helps you helps you lose weight I was like that's kind of cool 
Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, because she went on to say that it helps you feel more satisfying, so you would eat less. And that part I definitely believe. Because protein, it takes longer for the body to break it down. But I'm guessing if you don't have trouble with with overeating, whatever that would be for any, each individual person, that this isn't going to truly help after a while. It could be wrong, but I think eventually you're right. the body's going to get used to it. But also maybe you're right. Maybe it's that you feel more satisfied because it takes longer to break that down. So it's not mm-hmm. actually that it's helping you lose weight in the sense of something about the combination or whatever but it's just that if you feel like you said more satisfied and more full and your body's working on it longer then maybe it helps in that respect Mm -hmm. I don't know because she said she did she lost like 20 pounds or something like that I think using that method prior to her surgery right so I was like I mean not that I'm (laughs) gonna start doing that or trying to you know go on a diet but I just thought that was really interesting Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I definitely do that, but I did that because, like, I was doing a whole 30, and on whole 30, you're not, like, you're, you've cut out all corn, so all corn chips, you've cut out all gluten, you've cut, like, you've cut out pretty much everything that isn't a fruit, vegetable, or protein, and so, like, if you want something salty, a lot of times I was like, I'm not supposed to have a chip. Okay what else can I have that's salty? And all of a sudden lunch meat becomes salty and you're like, okay, I'm going to have some lunch meat like surrounded by my apple, whatever, you know what I mean? And do like a little wrap of some sort. Um, But yeah, interesting. So that was just thrown in there as a random thing, but Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of cool. Okay. Should we talk about tiny habits? Yes. The book is Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, and here's the description. When it comes to change, tiny is mighty. Start with two push-ups a day, not a two-hour workout, or five deep breaths each morning rather than an hour of meditation. In Tiny Habits, B.J. Fogg brings his experience coaching more than 40,000 people to help you lose weight, de-stress, sleep better, or achieve any goal of your choice. You just need Fogg's behavior formula. Make it easy, make it fit your life, and make it rewarding. Whenever you get in your car, take one yoga breath. Smile. Whenever you get in bed, turn off your phone. Give yourself a high five. Change can be easy. Once it starts, it grows. Let BJ Fogg show you exactly how. What did you think, Shosh? I liked it. So we read this book after I heard the NPR book review about it. And I was like, wow, that sounds super interesting. And I really enjoyed the interview. So the NPR, is it book of the day? can't remember what it's called exactly but they basically just pick random books and they have like a short interview with the author about the book and it's all different things so I was like wow that sounds super cool let's read that and obviously it's kind of right up Megan's alley in a lot of ways so she was definitely on board so we read it and I I really enjoyed it it had a lot of good points I thought um but it wasn't, it wasn't five stars for me because I, well, okay. I felt like it was a little bit repetitive, which was good and bad because I felt like it was telling me the same things, like in just in a different way through a lot of the book, which Mm -hmm. got to be a little bit much by the end of the book. But I also see the point because then it sinks in more if you're hearing the same thing and it's presented to you in different ways so it's not necessarily a bad thing but I did start to feel like it was kind of the same thing over and over I also don't really usually like self-help books and it felt kind of self-helpy to me so again I still enjoyed the book but it was a little bit going towards self-help for me and the thing that was my biggest thing that I didn't like was I wanted more of the like sciencey aspect because he's I th- I'm pretty sure he's a professor and he was they talk about doing all these studies 
but most of the time they just mentioned that they had done a study but I really wanted to know like more about all of the studies and really get into that part of it and I would have found that so 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 interesting which they did a little bit they would be like oh we set up the study with this but like I just I don't know I wanted a little bit more in that respect so I did really enjoy it but like I said it, it was a four star for me rather than a five star but I think you loved it right yeah I really thought it was well done I thought it was a good mix of the science because he there were lots of graphs um, so did you listen to it or did you read it? I did. And I went back for a, to, to like check on a few of the things, but maybe I should have had the book because maybe if I was seeing all of his graphs and stuff, mm-hmm. it would have maybe made a difference, especially since that was the part that I felt was lacking. Like I wanted mm-hmm. more sciencey bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do wonder that because I uh, read it and, um, I was just fascinated by the way he was able to take something called habit change and almost make it math, like he mathematized it. So he put it on a graph in terms of like an X and Y axis. I think Y axis was, can't remember now. One of them was like how difficult it is or easy to do Yes, yes. And then the other one was your motivation to do it. And then he had something called like the habit line and I'm losing this details, but he had this curve. And if it was below the curve, it probably wasn't going to happen. If it was above it was the curve, above. it was going to, it's more likely to happen. And so of course you could, you know, change things. You could either make it easier and therefore that makes it that even if it doesn't increase your motivation, it's still, if it's something's easier, you're more likely to do it. Or you can try to increase the motivation but that can be very difficult to do. And so his whole point is that if you can, anything you can make easier is gonna be more likely to get done. Uh, and you have usually have more control over making something easier than you do your motivation because you can be highly, highly, highly motivated, but still not still be not able to do it. it. If it's not easy to do, right? <laughs> yeah. If it's not possible. Uh, and then he, I really appreciated that he took I mean, he, he like in the interview, he takes things like flossing your teeth and he makes it oh my ridiculously gosh. like stupidly easy. He's like, just floss one, one tooth. tooth. And I was no. like, okay, I was like, you're gross. crazy. <laughs> like, I can't like See? just the, like the idea of only flossing one tooth of only having that like feet. Cause for me, when I floss, it kind of itches. So this is weird, but I floss my teeth before I brush my teeth because I have to brush them after I floss because it. it well, that's like, what you're supposed to do, anyways. Oh, you're doing it the right way. Well, that's good because it like itches. I'm like, how can you not want to like brush your teeth so you get to like scratch your gums <laughs> like after you do it? Just... So the idea of just having that feeling in, in between two teeth, I just can't. I'm like, oh my god, no! I I would I. No, I can't do it. I have yeah, to do the whole thing. I, I absolutely saw his point in the sense of making it something small and bite-sized that you can break off and actually do. Yes. But that example was like a bit too much. It's the same as like the apron when it making you want to clean the <laughs> toilet. That is like the one example in the whole book that just totally lost me. And I was like, no. Like there were other parts of that example because he he did, you know, expand on it in the book from the interview and he was saying about you know like setting the floss out so that you will see it and it's visually there and it's right next to the stuff that you're already doing to make it more likely for you to pick it up and get the piece of floss but I was like one tooth are you kidding me especially because to me the biggest challenge is actually getting the floss to start like once you're doing a tooth I don't understand why you wouldn't just floss everything it's like the actual act of flossing I think that you need to change the habit not how many teeth you're flossing if that makes sense so I was that was the one example where I was like dude one tooth are you kidding me this is this is too too tiny this is too tiny (laughs) yeah exactly but I mean again like his whole point is that if the idea of flossing all of your teeth just sounds so laborious then just tell yourself you'll do one, one tooth it is but I just I just couldn't get there I was just like no the idea of just doing one makes me want to not do it at all like I mean 
<laughs> which I'm not usually all or nothing about things, but that one. Well, flossing your teeth, I feel like. Yes. I mean, the only time I think it's acceptable to just floss like a tooth is if you have like something stuck in it. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you can pull out a piece of floss and get something unstuck or whatever. But I think if you're actually just flossing your teeth for your daily flossing, that you're going to just do them all or you're not going to do any of them. Oh my gosh, this is a little off topic, but I listened to by the book this week and they talked about atomic habits and um, Kristen got a little crazy about flossing her teeth. Like she was like flossing four times a day. She had floss like in her coat. And then she got upset one day because she didn't have her coat with her. So she didn't have her coat floss and it like ruined her entire day. And we, I mean, everyone was her like, Kristen, like <laughs> you have gone from a normal, healthy human being to a little obsessive about flossing your teeth. Man, I listened to that episode, but I listened on the train in the morning and I'm pretty sure I zoned out for part of it because I missed the coat floss. Yeah. It was like I feel like I need to go go back and listen because I want to hear about the coat floss. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> Poor thing. Uh so yeah, flossing teeth. Who knew it was such a such a thing? Um, but back to tiny habits. I actually used one of the so in the end of each chapter bj fogg provides an experience that you can do so you can um, try these different things try these different steps and i did one of the first ones with my coworkers, and one of my coworkers, her goal was to bike to work and she'd had this goal pretty much all of 2021 and she never did anything with it. And I was like, okay, so that's your goal. Like, how do we break that down into like, it's tiny steps. What is preventing you from being able to do it? All that stuff. And she realized that she wasn't doing it because she didn't have a helmet. So oh. I was like, well then, you know, okay. So what do you do about that? And she's like, oh, I'm going to go buy a helmet. And I was like, do you know where? Like, so we literally got it to like, she was going to buy a helmet from this store on this day. And as of last week this week yeah she biked to work for the first day <gasps> yay yeah, so it worked that is amazing <laughs> that's the thing I feel like I came off pretty harsh about this book at the <laughs> it's I really did like it it's not that um I was just yeah so I I don't know like I said I feel like I came off really harsh I, I don't I didn't want you still gave it four stars I did. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I did really enjoy it. And I feel like maybe I would have liked it more if I had read the book and listened. Mm -hmm. Listening was just easier for me because I listened to it while I was working. Right. But there was a lot of stuff which he told you about in the audio. But I think maybe if I had not sort of after the fact gone back and flipped through a little bit where it doesn't really line up with what you're reading I just kind of was like oh yeah I see some stuff you know I sort of think I needed it while I was reading it then maybe that would have elevated it to a five star and I did like I said I did really enjoy it and there were some really good things like even though some of it did feel you know a little repetitive to me by the end like I said, it wasn't all bad because that's kind of how it sinks in. And mm -hmm. if he's presenting the same thing, but in different ways, then there's more likelihood that it's going to connect and resonate for somebody. So it, it, I don't actually think that it was necessarily bad that it came across that way a little bit to me. And I've tried to do a couple of things from the book. So one of the things he talked about, I think it had a name because it came from something else but there's some method of doing things or whatever and one of the things was saying first thing in the morning it's going to be a great day so i've tried to do that and he talks about again sometimes pairing things so that you can remember to do them that was one of the things and so for example his thing was when your feet touch the ground say it but that was not working for me. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it. And then like three days in, I was like, I still haven't done it. I was like, I need something else. And then Megan and I happened to be talking about it. And we were like, oh, well, we always grab our watch. So it's like, okay, when I grab my watch, then I'm going to, and then I did. And to be honest, I don't think that has really changed anything. Like, I don't think, cause I'm like pretty good in the mornings. Like maybe if I had a bad attitude or was grumpy or mm -hmm. had trouble getting mm -hmm. up in the mornings, maybe it would make more of an impact. 
I honestly don't think that it really changed how I approached the day because again, I don't have any problems on a normal basis getting up and getting going for the day. But I still have continued to do it because I just like the idea that I'm framing the day that way. Mm-hmm. So I like telling myself that even though I don't think it's changed anything. And then he talks about also sort of rewarding yourself in different ways and how that can make you more likely to do things, which I get. So one of his things he was talking about doing like a three to five minute clean and basically like celebrating after each one. So you kind of like, you know, tell your brain to get excited about it or whatever. And I tried doing that today because again, I've been saying since we read the book that I wanted to do it and I, I hadn't done it, but I wanted to do it before we discussed it. And again, I don't know that it really changed anything for me today in any way, but I mean, it was kind of fun. It would be maybe a little bit difficult to sustain after five minutes because my celebration was dancing around. (laughs) So you can kind of wear yourself out a little bit if every time you do something, you're like, you know, dancing and jumping around. So in that respect, like five minutes was good. But it did feel like a long time, actually, five minutes, because I don't usually set a timer for things. You know what I mean? Why is this cleaning taking so long? (laughs) Well, well, I actually went past the five minutes, so it wasn't that it was, like, too long. It's just the whole time I was, like, thinking because I was doing this timed celebration thing. I was like, wow, this just seems like a long time. Is the five minutes up yet? Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I don't know if it's because... I only did it one time, like maybe I need to do it continuously to really make a difference, but it was fun. Like, again, I don't know if it actually changed anything for me, but I did actually enjoy sort of the act of celebrating because I was like being a dork and dancing around every time I put something away or cleaned something up. So I don't know. It was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was another part of the book that I really enjoyed was the discussion because he made a a clear distinction between incentives and rewards and so incentives are those big things that come later and so they're not gonna your brain doesn't always tie them together but then rewards are what come immediately after and that's what your brain is more attracted to so then there was a whole discussion of like how do you find things that you find rewarding because lots of people struggle with that stuff and it's like his biggest thing is like you have to find a way to reward yourself because if you don't reward yourself you're not going to continue to do it and so he would talk about like attaboys high fives claps on the back like all these things or even just saying like yeah I'm awesome and he always gets people who are like I hate this step it doesn't feel authentic it feels awful and he's like I get that but you have like keep pushing like you cannot tell me that there's nothing in life that you find rewarding like I don't know what it is but find that thing because if you don't that you're never going to be able to build this habit because your brain will not automatically flood your body with the good hormones that you need to create habits and make them sustainable I think this is where he was also talking about the story of his uncle, who was the lawyer, who was like, I'm not doing that. Because, you know, people feel like it's Mm -hmm. cheesy. Like me, I had no problem dancing around my house. I mean, I make people dance at work. I, You know, it's fine. I I don't mind being silly, whatever. High fives, awesome. Love them. All of those things are fine for me. But I understand that for some people that doesn't feel authentic. It feels cheesy or forced or whatever. But I think it was when he was talking about his uncle, who was like a high powered lawyer or whatever. And he was like trying to find the thing for him. And he was like, okay, well, what do you do when you like crack the case or whatever? And I honestly can't even remember what his thing was, but he, he had some saying or thing that he always did. And he was like, well, that's your thing. You've already been doing it. You just didn't realize. And then his uncle was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You're right. So I think some of it is just, you know, finding the thing, especially Mm -hmm. if the normal things like a high five or dancing around or patting yourself on the back or saying I'm awesome feel too cheesy. Mm -hmm. So, And also remember that you can internally say stuff too, because that was the other thing. Like the first time I was going to try to say it's going to be a great day, I was like, well, I can't really say this out loud because Amir is still asleep and he's a pretty light sleeper and I don't want to be like, it's going to be a great day. And then <laughs> he's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to then say to myself, oh, 
that's fine. I can still just say it, but just not out loud. So again, if you are in your office and you need to give yourself an I'm awesome, you don't have to, you know, feel awkward saying out loud, I'm amazing. You can say it to yourself internally and that's okay because you are awesome and you should say it. Some of the stuff didn't necessarily feel new to me. And I think some of that's because I've done like animal training and things. And it's the same sort of thing. You use approximations or really small steps to get to where you want to be. So some of it didn't feel like new necessarily, but I thought that the ways that he presented it and also just the fact that he made everything so accessible and reminded you that you just need to take steps and I mean it does make sense but I think it's easy to just say I'm just going to do this thing without thinking about the fact that maybe trying to go all in is too hard so I think just the reminder and an easy way to lay out to say if you do this in tiny steps you know that will be better and that can be helpful and it's okay you don't necessarily have to go from zero to a hundred you can you know take longer to get there and then it will be you know have a better chance of lasting I thought that, that was really useful mm-hmm. yeah I agree I appreciate how often he was like the the reminder that there are things that we say that we want to do that sound on the surface like really simple like biking to work there's no question like she knows how to ride a bike she knows where her office where work is where her home is you can she can envision it immediately And so no, you know, like there shouldn't be that barrier to entry, but there was still that barrier to entry because she, you know, realized she didn't have a helmet. She works on a military base. She literally couldn't get into the, like, they will not let you on a military base without a helmet. Um, And so it was like the little things. And there was like a story in the book where I think BJ Fogg's partner was like, hey, can you just wipe down the shower? after you're done every day or, you know, after you shower. And he was like, yeah, 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 that's fine. And he never did it. (laughs) And finally the partner was like, let me show you what I'm asking you to do. Take this washcloth or whatever, wipe like this. It takes literally 30 seconds, throw the washcloth right back where it was and that's it. And BJ was like, oh really? That's all you wanted me to do? I was making it a much bigger thing. Like I was making it like I had to move the the shower curtain and like hang it up and wipe everything down and da 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 And his partner was like, no, the thing I just showed you, that's all you need to do. I think you're right. I think sometimes you just need to see something because wiping down, something like wiping down the shower sounds easy and it mm-hmm. is, but then when you actually have to do it, it doesn't seem as easy mm-hmm. but then once you know his partner showed him he's like oh no it actually is fine I can do this mm-hmm. so. yeah particularly because you we build those tasks up in our heads like we have to do all these little tiny things like get out a toothbrush and clean out the grout and like do this big thing and all the while they're like no I literally just mean take this washcloth wipe this off or even just like spray this stuff call it a day <laughs> definitely as harsh as I sounded at the beginning which I didn't mean to sound so harsh but I think I really did sound harsh on this book it does like I said it has a lot of good things and again not all of them are necessarily new but it does lay it out in a really accessible way and it also just reminds you I mean again I have an idea of training stuff with these little approximations but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily considering that in my own life because it seems like something completely different so again I think it's nice to have it laid out to actually tell you that you you know make sure that you know you can break things down make sure you're rewarding and celebrating your achievements it does like I said it does have a lot of really helpful things it was it was enjoyable I'm I'm glad that we read it good yeah it definitely has I mean you're right it has the pitfalls of a traditional self-help book where it does get repetitive there's just nothing that is just a pitfall of the genre but I think particularly for the genre it was really good and again I think that's like my own bias speaking also because in general I'm I'm not saying that there is never a good self-help book or if they work for people or people enjoy them that they shouldn't read them I don't mean that at all just for me I typically don't like those type of books so I think 
after the interview, I expected more sciency. And then when it felt a bit self-helpy, I just kind of instantly am like, okay, well, it's not going to be my favorite. <laughs> so, I mean, I think some of that is just my own bias against self-help type Against books. the genre. That's all right. Yeah. yeah. Which I recognize. But like I said, I mean, I still enjoyed it. I just don't think, I guess it could be a five-star for me because I have preconceived ideas about those books that would keep me from being able to, <laughs> being able to reward it a five-star. Mm-hmm. Fair. All right. Any last thoughts on tiny habits? No, if you're, if you're wanting to make some changes in your life, I think it's worth looking at this book, at least getting it from the library and trying out some different exercises that he has and seeing if any of it works for you. Definitely. There is never any harm in trying. If it doesn't work, you're not in any worse position than you were before you tried. So so Shosh, did you know that the study of ants is called myrmecology? I did not know that. I didn't either. And for some reason that still makes me think of mermaids and not ants, but that's okay. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay. Random side note, but I have to host our next group trivia for work. And I decided I'm going to do an ologies category and I'm going to see if people can figure it out. But I feel like a lot of them need to be multiple choice because some of them you would never figure out. Mm-hmm. Like some of them make sense. You you already would know because obviously I need to do a mix of, you know, easier and harder ones. But some of them I'm like, you would never figure that out. Right? Like if you had asked me what myrmacology is, I would be like, mermaids. Right? Obviously. Right? Never ants. Yeah, no, never ants. I mean, I guess if you have a friend who like knows all the Latin words for things, they'll probably get them all, but I don't know the Latin words for things. There's one person that I work with that probably would, but the majority would not. Exactly. So it's fine. But I'm focusing on this because I listened to this, the Ologies podcast, and it was a, actually a rebroadcast of an older episode, but it was all about ants. And the thing that I can't stop thinking about is that in the episode, the myrmecologist mentioned that pretty much every um, Argentine ant in LA is related to each other. It's one big super colony of ants and then there is like yeah and the largest colony of ants like I think he said spreads over 500 miles or something or 500,000 miles maybe it was huge and I was just like so every little tiny ant that's in my kitchen is probably related to every little tiny ant in all of San Diego they're all one colony that's crazy. craziness. I have a lot of questions about this though. So I haven't listened to this ologies episode yet. So when Megan told me this was blowing my mind on new information, but I have a lot of questions because how does that work with like the queen? Because surely there can't just be one queen in the colony for all of San Diego or whatever. So are there like sub colonies that are then all just related and considered one because they're related? Yeah, I feel like I, I need know. to know more. I need to know more about this. I need to listen to this myrmacology ology episode. Yeah, it's really interesting. And he essentially just said that there's almost no way to get rid of them. If you want to get rid of them, you should feed them and then stalk them until you figure out how they're getting into your house and then caulk that area. That was it. Just to try and keep them out because otherwise I thought you're never you could, going to win the battle. Like, break the trail and that that would he did not, not seem to indicate that that would be possible <laughs> so you just need to put a physical barrier yes that's essentially what he said he's like on all these like homeopathic natural remedies they might stop things for a little while but they're not going to stop it for good the only way to stop it for good is to just figure out how they're getting into your house and prevent that from occurring <laughs> interesting yep because the things that I had heard and I am no expert on ants but the things that I had heard were either feed them something whether that's a natural or actual poison but feed them something that they then take back and hopefully kills off the ants 
trap the ants and uh, either way erase the trail so that they don't necessarily follow the path anymore but apparently that will not work and you just need to physically remove access to the area you do not want them to be in pretty much yeah, they're really there was this like so the most of the episode is based on how they communicate because we know it's very hormone scent driven but we don't really know how it works but there are two types of scents so they they can leave tracking scents that like this is a short-term track but they can also leave tracking sense like this is a long-term track you better hope that's not a track into your right house. <laughs> exactly and i think that's why he's like you just gotta find a way to to block the path because yeah and then like it's there's hormones hope. that they can use that with so i guess like essentially the ants put out a hormone when they're dying or dead and so like that's how the ants know to like put them in a pile and let the let their dead wash away or whatever but you can place that hormone on live ants and like the ants will still carry them around as though they are dead <laughs> even <laughs> though the ant will be like flailing moving oh which he didn't do but i guess i don't know some, someone did a study someone probably. did but it's like well, no, it was like one of the, some at famous actor, like Will Ferrell or somebody was like, hey, look at this thing that you can do to ants. And <gasps> yeah. Okay, that's not cool. I mean, I, I mean, it didn't was kill maybe... anything. So like it's, could be worse, but yeah. Still, I, I don't know about just random people doing that to ants, even if there are an abundance of them, that feels inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. No, but in an I, actual I study yeah. to better understand hormones and, you know, normal sort of customs and things within a colony, I could see how that could be an interesting study. Yep. Will, yeah. Will Ferrell or other person, maybe not him. I don't want right. to bad mouth Will Ferrell. Yeah, I don't either. Sorry. Him, but, <laughs> but whoever said famous person was randomly telling people to do that to ants I feel like it's an inappropriate and I'm not sure well, I, I can get behind people that, to do but... it I think he did it and then filmed it and told people what he had done so it was like one of those viral videos for a minute that I didn't see but that's not terrible sure <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but so yeah I'm just very very fascinated both by the fact that there's like so much that we know about ants but also so much that we don't know and then um yeah this, just this idea that they're all like part of one colony is just insane to me that's so cool though yeah really cool i yeah. definitely intend to go back and find this episode yeah yeah, and then I think the myrmecologist that they uh, that they study or that they were interviewing also works in like tropical areas and works with some ants that are literally so small that the entire colony, when he collects the entire colony, if it's into like a test tube without, and they can just like move around and be fine. But there's like, what? I don't remember how many, because I'm imagining like 10 and I'm pretty sure he was saying there were like hundreds, but they were that small that like- That's crazy. He's had to have like, my, not microphones like magnifying, magnifying glass. glasses there you go <laughs> and like there's times like, microphones <laughs> to see them <laughs> he's out with his students and his students are are like do you see that and he's like I don't know I've got bifocals no I don't see that <laughs> <laughs> amazing yep. I feel your pain dude I feel your pain <laughs> right same that is actually so a really good uh, segment into what show New glasses. New glasses. <laughs> yeah. So I actually had a long list of things that we could have discussed today, which does not always happen. But I made Megan listen to a, a lot of a lot of complaining, a lot of interesting things. It wasn't all complaining, but I made her listen to me a lot before I decided that we were going to talk about glasses. Um, but one of the many things I couldn't stop thinking about this week is my new glasses. And that is because I'm not convinced that they are the correct prescription. Oh, <laughs> I think so I'm probably, I'm probably just being a baby. I'm not really sure, but I was really excited that I got new glasses because obviously when you have the same glasses for a while, it's fun to get new ones because you wear them every single day. 
And I really liked my old glasses. I actually had the lenses swapped in them because I wasn't ready to fully let them go, but I got a new pair too. And I had them adjusted as you should when you pick them up. And I thought they were fine, but now they're slipping down my face. They won't fall off, but I'm going to have to get them adjusted again. So I'm pretty annoyed by that just because I don't want to have to go back again. And also I'm pretty sure the lady said she thought she had adjusted them as much as she could. So I don't even know if they're going to be able to make it better. I was thinking I need to like invent some kind of little stopper or something that I can put on the, I mean, maybe that exists. I have no idea, but I need something. They have those like plasticky things you could put that are supposed to help them keep stay on the, I know she's just giving me a face like those things are gross. I'm like, I know, but I think that's what they're supposed to do. But like my friend James at work, his glasses are straight. You know, they don't have any kind of curve or anything. And they have like a, I don't know, some kind of built-in texture that you don't really see that much. And his don't slide at all. And I'm like, why don't they literally put that on every pair of glasses? I don't understand. So I don't know. I need to look into something. I need to get them adjusted or figure out some way for them to not slip because while they won't fall off my face, having them slide down like half an inch all the time is annoying because I want them to just stay where they need to stay. And then the whole reason I knew originally that I needed to go from occasionally wearing glasses when I drive at night or in a museum and I want to see the, the little writing on the signs <laughs> to all the time was the train signs. So I commute all the time and I take the train all the time. And I was starting to notice that the signs at the train station were not that clear. And then when I went and had my eyes checked, had to start wearing glasses all the time and that's why when I went to this time I was like I think maybe they've changed again because I'm not sure those signs are as clear as they should be even with my glasses on and what do you know they had changed again but then I got to the train station with the new glasses and I'm like I can't read the signs (laughs) something's worse (laughs) I think I think maybe it's a little better with the glasses on than no glasses, but I am convinced that it is definitely not better than my old prescription mm-hmm. when they, it should definitely be better with an updated prescription. And so I kind of freaked out because that's never happened before where I've gotten glasses and then things have seemed the same, if not worse. Mm-hmm. And so I called them because I was also like, I don't want to pay to get new lenses when I just paid for these and I got the ones you told me to get, but apparently it can take a while for your eyes to adjust. So even though Mm -hmm. I haven't previously experienced that, they told me that I had to wait a minimum of a week Mm -hmm. and that I have up to three months to change them. So I'm no longer at least panicking about having to pay to replace because I had three, I had two sets swapped lenses and one new pair. So I was like, I don't want to pay for three sets of new lenses. That is too much. So I have time and I'm going to give it a little more time and see if my eyes adjust. But clearly I have been very focused on it because I'm like, I should be able to see. And I'm not convinced that I can see. Mm, Yeah. It's so frustrating. And I've been told, like, I've been told every time by my doctor, they're like, you need to give it 24 to 48 hours to adjust like particularly the first 24 hours because I have an astigmatism and if they my astigmatism has moved enough from the previous prescription they're like it's gonna look weird because your brain's been adjusting to an incorrect fix for so long that then when it gets the correct fix it is like totally confused it's like wait I don't have to work to fix this it's being fixed correctly hold on um and I've definitely had that before but a week it's never never been told a week but I've never been told a specific amount of time I mean maybe because I don't have a stigmatism that's getting fixed but they always just sort of say like oh it might feel a little weird at the beginning because you have to adjust and when I got my last glasses because it had been a, a fairly big change both in not that the prescription is huge, but just a big change from my previous prescription to the new one and the difference of occasionally wearing to full-time wearing, it did feel really weird. And I was like, whoa, when I first put them on, like I really did have to like get kind of used to it. I mean, my brain did a really good job of figuring it all out pretty quickly, but there was definitely that like, this is different. This is weird. I have Mm -hmm. to adjust. This time, It was so surprising because I put them on and there was like literally like the instantaneous change. But then after that, it was fine. Like I didn't really feel like I needed that adjustment period. It was just like, 
okay, new glasses you can see, it's okay. And now I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm needing much more time to adjust than I realized. And I really hope that if I just give it some time, it is going to fix itself because I don't want to have to go back and get everything checked and then even potentially have all my glasses swapped again. But this is definitely a new experience for me and seeing is something that I would very much like to do. So I kind of need glasses that that will work for me. That are working correctly, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just not super convinced I also I'm prone to headaches so it might not be related but I also kind of felt like maybe I had some more headaches and that things just weren't maybe feeling quite right and again I don't know if that's coincidence if I'm still adjusting or if it's wrong but I really want to get this worked out and obviously it is you know taking up a lot of my brain power because you obviously can't not think about seeing so you know I don't know I'm sure it'll all get figured out it's just yeah it's been taking up a lot of my my thoughts yep yeah new glasses are always like both exciting and I don't know more difficult than I want them to be because yeah like particularly if you end up having to get new frames you're like okay like I will will I find something I like it's still an adjustment all of that it's really hard I think Amir wants to kill me every time I look at new frames I am so picky and I just keep trying them on and on and on and I have a really hard time and it's really difficult because you only put them on for a short amount of time and you really have to get used to new glasses Mm -hmm. you know because it's just a change on your face you know what I mean you're just used to one thing and so it's really difficult which is part of the reason why they had a deal so it was like buy one get one free and instead of getting the free one they let me just apply it towards my old frames with new lenses because I was having such a hard time I only found one pair and just wasn't necessarily ready to give up the other ones so yep I respect that plus I mean here's the thing right to get new frames you have to take your current glasses with the correct prescription off and then you try these glasses that either don't have any lenses or do not have your prescription on and they're like well, how do you look I'm like I don't know I look like blurryville to me like yes I can see the general outline of things but do you think this looks crisp I I, I don't if I if it looked crisp I wouldn't need these things in the first place <laughs> you know it's funny that you say that so my vision thankfully is not so bad that I can't you know pick out my own or whatever but Amir's vision is significantly worse than mine and he like you said he literally can't you know if he isn't wearing his contacts which often you know it depends on the appointment but you know what I mean he often sometimes can't wear them like if he were to wear his glasses in or if they were to dilate his eyes or if whatever they're like the last time he got glasses he couldn't see them because he didn't have his right. contacts in and I had to pick them out for him. And I was like, yeah. no, 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 try the next one. So he was like, okay, whatever you tell me. He only wears his usually at night or occasionally on the weekends. So right. it didn't matter to him as much as it would for me since I wear mine all the time and he has contacts. But literally I had to pick his glasses out because he was like, I don't know, I can't see anything. Yeah, I mean, for me, I- I'm not that I can't see anything, but I certainly cannot see it like clearly and clear like, I'm like, I have to trust whoever's with me or I take pictures and send them to people because I I can see it generally speaking, but I cannot see crisp edge. And so I'm like, I, is like, it I great? Don't, I, I don't think know. It's okay. <laughs> but also again, some of it I think is what you're used to. So because I had mm-hmm. my glasses, so my eye doctors basically always have the exact same deal. So the last time when I got the glasses I had a second pair but when I got home I was kind of like oh why did I get those I sort of wish I'd gotten a black pair so I would have had like a black and a brown and they were like a little bit smaller so I just didn't like them quite as well so I never really ended up wearing them but obviously because I left my glasses to be swapped I then had to go to the other pair and wear them for a week while I was waiting on my glasses to come back and I was like 
wow, I actually kind of like these. It's just because I wasn't used to them. You literally just get used to the way that you look in one pair of glasses. Mm -hmm. So when I first put them on, when I swapped to them, I was like, oh yeah, I look weird. I remember I didn't really like these. And then I was wearing them and I was like, wow, I think these are actually more comfortable than my other glasses. (laughs) And then by the end of the week, and when I was used to them, I was like, oh, I don't even mind these. Because mm-hmm. I was just got used to them. And then Mira was like, do we need to go get those lenses swapped too? And I was like, no, I think for now I'm okay because I also got the new frames. So I was like, I'm still going to have two pairs and it will be fine. But I was like, man, I maybe could have been wearing those more often. And I didn't wear them at all for the two years that I had them. Yep. So, so funny. It's hard to have that experience though when you're just picking out new frames because you're like, I just, I have no idea. It just feels weird. Right, exactly. I always just have to trust and like someone tell me if these look good and then I'm always like can we are there kids ones that look good because they're probably gonna fit better (laughs) well that's the thing those glasses now I think actually fit me the best of all the glasses (laughs) and I was like man I just need some that fit like that but maybe you know look different Mm -hmm. because obviously I was trying to get something new but I was like man I should have kept that in mind (laughs) oh man one of those things yep so let us know if you have trouble getting new glasses or if you love the experience and uh, if you have any good tricks for getting rid of ants in your kitchen (laughs) Um, (laughs) oh no do you actually have ants in your kitchen not right now but we did this summer um and I do not know where they were coming from like I I tried to stalk them but I after a while he gets I mean after a while like 30 seconds I'm like I don't know where he's going on board like (laughs) I tried to stalk them but when I couldn't figure it out instantaneously (laughs) I moved on (laughs) pretty much couldn't figure it out instantaneously spray I'll just spray it all over these different places amazing I love it um but or if you've tried tiny habits or you listen to the clutter bug podcast let us know contact us at our email which is apt29a at gmail.com or on instagram apartment 29a we'd love to hear from you and we got a new logo which you probably yeah we did but yep we're very excited about it yes have a great week everyone bye thanks for listening